0: We'll talk about God's medicine today. Hey, if He's the healer, He's into healing through doctors too.
1: Well, thanks for
0: joining us on a special broadcast today on The Line of Fire. What makes it special is I'm going to be joined by Dr. Mark Stengler at the bottom of the hour. He has not just been named Doctor of the Year, he was recently named Doctor of the Decade. He's a personal friend, he's a great soul winner, an apologist for the faith, and is my doctor as well. When I'm out in California, that's where I go. So we're going to have a great conversation, talk about naturopathic medicine, talk about things that God has put in this world that are helpful in healing, and talk about a new book he has out on healing the prostate. So we'll take some calls, medical-related calls, in the second half of the broadcast. If you've got a medical-related call, save it for then, because I am not a medical doctor. Every so often we'll have things posted and sent to us asking for medical advice. I can give them scripture, but I can't give medical advice. All right, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. If you've been trying to get through, get on the air, other days have been unable to, I'll take calls on any subject under the sun as long as there are areas where I can help you. Any subject under the sun that relates at all to content here in the line of fire, glad to take your questions, interact with you. So, 866 34 Truth numbers, uh, phone lines are open. Okay. There is an ever increasing crackdown on conservatives, on Christians, on social media these days. Yeah, people get hit from all sides. I understand that people get removed, blocked from all sides, but overwhelmingly, Undeniably, conservatives, Christians are getting hit. So I, I tweeted out a week ago that in God's sight, the, new, the, the, uh, the nominee, President Biden's nominee for Assistant Secretary for Health and Human Services, quote, Rachel Levine, in God's sight, is a biological male. Richard Levine, now with the name Rachel, is a biological male. So for that, I got, I got blocked on Twitter. And I decided rather than fighting it and having an appeal and ongoing suspension, I removed the tweet so I was blocked for 12 hours, during which time I wrote an article talking about what Twitter had done and the outrageousness of it. And then the moment I was reinstated, we posted the article and said, hey, this is, this is why I was off. Just want you to know. So we got the message out that way. For simply stating biological truth, Daily Citizen, focus on the Family magazine, was removed from Twitter. This is what we're dealing with. You cannot even say a simple fact that this individual is a biological male. Nothing hateful, nothing attacking, not calling the person perverse, no, no hate speech, just biological fact. Can't even do that. I've had folks blocked on Facebook for similar transgressions. There was a page that, that had Bible verses about homosexuality. One of my friends had up on, on Facebook. That got, that got removed. There's no question that this is happening. So there are many different ways that we will continue to raise our voice. And I'm working on a book now that's come out in early 2022, Godwelling, that'll lay out the wide-scale attempt to stifle our voices and silence us on a wide, wide scale, but then what we can do in many different ways to speak up, to fight back, to take our stands, and to continue to get the message out that is most important to God and to us. I say all that to say that many have been warning about this for years. And I wrote an article a couple of years back, actually 2018 now, when uh, YouTube was cracking down on Alex Jones in Infowars. And I wrote an article saying, this is why this should concern all of us. And part of fact, I've never been a fan of Alex Jones and, and InfoWars. I know there are various voices within that organization, but I've, I've never followed it, been a fan of it. But I felt that it was important to raise the issue and say, hey, this is going to affect more than InfoWars. So I wrote the article And at the end of the article, I referenced a famous poem by the German pastor Martin Niemoller about the Nazis, first they came for the Jews, I wasn't a Jew, etc. And I changed it to say this, first they came for Infowars, and I did not speak out because I found them offensive. Then they came for Geller and Spencer, so Pam Geller and Robert Spencer, who exposed Islamic radicalism, and I did not speak out because I found them obnoxious. Then they came for PragerU with their great educational videos. And I did not speak out because I found them opinionated. Then they came for a host of others. And I did not speak out because I have my own life to live. Then they came for me and there was no one left to speak for me. There's a quote attributed to Winston Churchill that says, appeasement is like feeding a crocodile and hoping that it eats you last. So don't just say, well, I'm safe here, safe here. And we're not trying to create problems and trying to provoke opposition. Every so often I will test something and say, is Twitter going to ban me for this? Is Twitter going to punish me for this? I ask the question, is Twitter going to punish me for saying that, quote, Rachel Levine is in God's side of biological mail? And they did. That was a clear enough answer. Otherwise, I'm just seeking to be obedient to the Lord and get out messages and speak the truth in love and with wisdom and— their consequences, their consequences, but we need to look at this together, continue to use the platforms we have to raise our voices and to continue to push back and challenge. Okay, another note that I'm going to take some calls. My new book, Christian Antisemitism, Confronting the Lies in Today's Church, just came out yesterday, just released. We signed a whole bunch of books and are sending them out to those that pre-ordered uh numbered signed copies kind of a collector's edition we do with the first printing of a new book done it for years now and it's i enjoy doing it and glad to to see who's ordering and put a name there and and a scripture so it's it's a joy to do it and i appreciate your interest in the books those of you who have the book if it blesses you please do post review on amazon and anywhere else where you read but amazon in particular just because of the amount of, of scope that it has the amount of reach that it has And I also encourage you to do it if you were blessed by the book, because at a certain point, anti-Semites will start weighing in and attacking. So I posted about Christian anti-Semitism on my Facebook page yesterday. And I said, by the way, if you post an anti-Semitic comment here in a book exposing Christian anti-Semitism, that's a surefire way to get blocked. It would just be like if it was on Martin Luther King Day. And I had a quote honoring Dr. King and someone posted a blatantly racist comment. They're out. Boom. Blocked. Well, the same way, especially if we're talking about Christian anti-Semitism and someone as a Christian in particular posted an anti-Semitic comment. Blocked. Gone. So somebody, and we had to delete a bunch of people. That's how bad it is. That's why I wrote the book. That's how serious it is. But check this out. Check out what this guy posts. I'm not going to put his name up here to embarrass him. appears appears that English is not his first language. But in response to that note of mine saying, if you post something anti-Semitic here, it will be removed. Ask Dr. Brown, where is your patience, tolerance, you vain and worthless, I think he meant worthless, immature and dreaming Jew cowboy? Shalom my And then he used the N word for me, a white guy. It is an honor to be blocked you act like the people who crucified jesus so this is the kind of craziness and sickness that's out there so the jew cowboy derogatory thing hey you call it an honor to be blocked shame on you for posting such an idiotic vile despicable post i happen to be the one being attacked but it's vile despicable and someone say hey you're looking for an anti-semite here i am and, and just out of curiosity, because I don't see the vast majority of posts and comments, just out of curiosity, because I saw this, I clicked on it, and sure enough, the guy's talking about forgiveness of sins through Jesus and so on and so forth. That's what you call a Christian anti-Semite. You say, okay, look, there are crazies out there. We know there are crazies out there. they are weird people. Oh, fine. So through the internet, they have a voice, but you don't write a whole book about like one crazy person out there. Oh, okay. I didn't write a book about one crazy person. I wrote a book about something that is rising an epidemic level in many parts of the body today. Let me illustrate this for you. All right. Let's put the first video link up. I have number numerous videos on our Ask Dr. Brown YouTube channel, exposing anti-Semitism, anti-Semites, et cetera. So there is a video called true news and Rick Wiles exposed. And this was posted July 12th of 2019. Now, normally our videos on the S. Dr. Brown YouTube channel have maybe like 95% thumbs up, 5% thumbs down. Probably on average, because most of the people there like what we're doing and give it a thumbs up, right? That's why they're on that channel. So look at this one. True News and Rick Walls Exposed, where we have some ridiculous, crazy anti-Israel, anti-Semitic comments. We expose them on the video. Look at this. 1,000 thumbs up, 1. 1.8,000 thumbs down. That's also a good amount of activity in terms of one video. So it's almost two to one thumbs down versus thumbs up. Where did that come from? Where did all the people come from? And you read many of the comments, vile, ugly. You say, oh, I, I haven't seen really bad. Ones. Those, those get deleted and pulled. You'd be shocked by what's up there. All right, here's, here's another example. Here's another example. So Catholic scholar E. Michael Jones really influenced conservative comedian Owen Benjamin. So I have a video where, where they're going after me and attacking me and claiming I'm misrepresenting or whatever and not telling the truth. And So I, I put out a video where E. Michael Jones and Owen Benjamin telling the truth. Look at this one. 300, it's about anti-Semitism, challenging their anti-Semitism. 365 thumbs up, 707 thumbs down. So once again, roughly two to one thumbs down compared to thumbs up. Why? I'm exposing anti-Semitism. You virtually never find it like that on any other topic. Really, on virtually every other topic I cover on Facebook, you almost never, ever, ever, I don't think ever see anything close to that. But when you expose anti-Semitism, the quote, Christian anti-Semites come out of the woodwork. Not all profess to be Christian, but many do. Here, just one last example: Black Hebrew Israelite myths and fantasies, errors. So, the complete misinterpretation of Deuteronomy 28, complete misinterpretation, cannot refer to them as they as they claim, uh, especially about buying and selling and so on. Absolutely cannot. So, I, I break it down. I break it down, just looking clearly at what the Hebrew says. So look at this one: 721. Thumbs up, 785 thumbs down. Once again, when we confront anti-Semitic lies, when we confront these kinds of things, we get a serious backlash. That's why I wrote Christian anti-Semitism. And when you read the book, friends, you'll be shocked by the content, but it's documented with links, with specific quotes, with information. It's essential reading. Christian anti-Semitism confronting the lies in today's church. Your calls when we come back.
1: Give us to always do what's right. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown.
0: Welcome, friends, to The Line of Fire 866-34 Truth. A little over 10 minutes, I'll be joined by my friend, Dr. Mark Stengler gonna have a fascinating conversation and if you have medically related questions and trying to get some insight or input well we'll see if we take some medical calls as well can't give official advice whatever but okay eight six six three four truth and let us go to Elwin in Fairfield California welcome to the line of fire
2: good afternoon dr. Brown uh, Long time no talk. To. it's been a while hey I have a question in John chapter 19, verse 11, when uh, Jesus is before Pilate.
0: I believe he's dealing with the pharisees and sadducees the the religious leaders in particular who handed him over to be killed so we know clearly in scripture that there are some sins that are more serious than others this is a classic example where jesus speaks of a greater sin or for example in matthew 23 he talks about the weightier matters of the law justice mercy and faithfulness as opposed to tithing on agricultural products or First John 5 says that there's a sin that leads to death, but not every sin does. And we know when God was judging Israel that he would judge Israel more severely for certain things. So obviously, even common sense would tell us that it's a far greater crime to, to uh, murder someone than to, to steal a pen from them. Obviously, we understand these things. You know, a husband and wife are not going to have a divorce because the husband one day forgot to put the toothpaste away, you know, Uh, but there are going to be more severe things that could sever a marriage. So I only say that because some people think, well, all sin is equal in God's sight. No, all sin is consequential, but not all sins are equal. So Pilate was acting within his own authority to do what he did. Pilate was, he did have the right under Roman law to sentence Jesus to death. Now he was wrongly sentencing him, but he was doing it within his sphere of authority. So it was a wrong act, but within his sphere of authority. The Jewish leaders were really going outside of their authority to get Jesus killed. They really had no grounds for it and they had to push something over to Pilate to get him to do that. And they should have known better as Jewish leaders on top of it with the scriptures and a covenantal and priestly calling you know the high priest etc so mm-hmm. that's why those who turned him over committed the greater sin they were sinning against greater light they were jews Pilate was a roman and they were going out of their authority to get this done whereas he was acting within his own they all sinned but their sin was greater okay i
2: appreciate that thank you for
0: your time sir. you are very welcome god bless you, <laughs> god bless Eight, you. 866 Three, four, truth. Uh, Let's go to William in Wilmington, Delaware. Welcome to the Line of Fire.
2: Oh, thank you. Um, God bless you. I have a genuine question. I myself do not drink at all, Um, but um, I might want to one day. (laughs) Um, Is it okay as a Christian to a a, a few times a week to drink a beer since the Bible says that you could get you could drink without getting
0: drunk. Right That's a question that is answered individually. It may be fine for some Christians and not fine for other Christians. We all agree that drunkenness is sin according to the scripture. We all agree that we are called to be sober according to the scripture. and we all agree that fleshly addictions are destructive. so something that you have to have, especially if it's not for your overall health is wrong. But for one person, maybe you grew up in European culture. You grew up having wine with your meals. You've never had like Coca-Cola in your life and you wouldn't because you think it's unhealthy. But you've had a small glass of wine with with dinner for most of your life. You've never been drunk once in your life. You've never been tempted to get drunk because just little wine is what you drink. It can be perfectly fine for you. And someone else who was an alcoholic when they got saved and their parents were alcoholics, uh, they can't touch it ever. It's unwise. It's violating the freedom that God gave them. So I've I've totally abstained myself because when I came to faith, I drank to get drunk. I had no interest in liquor, but I drank to get drunk. Notice it's not like I had a taste for it and had to you know check this out or that out. I drank to get drunk. When I got saved, I repented of that. I had no reason to touch it. The church I got saved in taught total abstinence. So that's what I did. And then as I began to minister and lead, I thought it's just best for my example to never drink it. Again, I haven't had a a desire to either. But I thought as a leader, because others may look at me and follow my example, and there are plenty of people that used to struggle with drink, I don't do it. And my general counsel to leaders is, if you can avoid this, it's great because it'll cause less people to stumble. But scripturally, we are not forbidden from drinking. We are forbidden from drunkenness and called to be sober. So if it's, if it's fine for someone, you know, that have a beer with lunch a couple of times a week, like you said, they don't get drunk. They're not tempted to get drunk. They're not influencing others to get drunk. Nothing wrong with it, but it's going to be an individual choice. And, and you should never feel pressure from someone else in making your own individual choice. You should walk in love towards others, but not feel pressure like, oh, i got to join in with the gang, or I don't want to seem religious. No, you, you hold your convictions before the Lord, and then respect the convictions of others as long as they don't violate Scripture.
2: Thank you so much. That was perfect. Thank you.
0: You are, you are very welcome. 866-34-TRUTH. Let us go over to Rick in Concord, North Carolina. You're on the line of fire.
3: Hey, Dr. Brown. Hey. Hey, uh, just want to appreciate, I just want to tell you I appreciate what you do, and you've been to my church before. And uh, when you first showed up, I kind of validated you through my church, but now I validate my church through you because they're affiliated with you. I've got to know, you know, listen to you. So you're, uh, you know, I really appreciate your, your wisdom and your knowledge and your grace most of all. And dealing with some of these people you know that uh, I've watched you on your debates and things so really really gracious Uh, my question is uh, in the book of Job at the very first book of the uh, job it refers to the sons of God and Satan Mm -hmm. uh, approaching the Lord Uh, the sons of God who are they
0: yes the sons of God are, are most certainly angels the angelic host. they're mentioned later in the book of Job and being with God at the time of creation So sons of God is another Hebrew way of saying divine beings or beings who are of the the divine class, meaning that they are spirit beings like God as opposed to earthly beings like us. So definitely the angels. So the one that's called Hasatan, there's a debate. Is that just another angel who's called the adversary and he has a certain role of, of kind of being like the spy on the earth? Or is it the same one as the devil? of the New Testament. So I really looked at that question afresh in, in writing my commentary on Job. And I, I do absolutely believe that it is the devil. So it is an interesting thing be, that before the cross, that there could be God calling for the angelic host and Hasatan, the adversary, the accuser, being among them, but still under divine constraint. You could argue that since the cross, he, he doesn't have access to heaven, and you know there's debate about that. But i believe it's the one that we know as satan the devil and that he's appearing with the angels and that god is doing what he's doing in terms of job for the whole universe to see not just on the earth but for the whole spiritual realm to see how god is going to prove his servant job and demonstrate that there are people who worship god not for the benefits but simply because of who god is
3: okay yeah I run across that every now and then, I always forget, and I asked one of my pastors, and he just kind of blew his mind when I asked him that, but it's it's just something, it's really deep, and you got, some churches would split over, you know, when you start talking about stuff like that, you know, it's really, it's really Uh, interesting.
0: Yeah, it is, and look, Rick, you know, obviously, it's the kind of thing that there can be different views on, different understanding and interpretation, but it's once you understand that this is playing out in, in front of the whole heavenly host, and that the, reputation of god will be on the line and and obviously his eternal purpose is being worked out through His servant job i read a book i was so consumed with for so many years i had to devote years to writing a commentary on it hey rick thanks for the good word i appreciate it and let's see all right we've got time for one more call justin in kannapolis north carolina if you could weigh in real quick with your question i'll try to answer
4: uh, yeah, I just had a question. I just recently heard today about there was a, a preacher and he used a book called Tibet. I believe that's what it's called. I've never heard that before. I think he used it like it was scripture.
0: And, ah, okay, uh, what, what you've never heard that book? Before. Yeah, what you must be referring to is Tobit. Yeah, Tobit. T o b i t or T o b i t h. Uh, you'll find it in a Catholic Bible. It's, it's a book that was written between the Old Testament and the New Testament so that uh, Protestant Bibles do not have it. Catholic Bibles and others would have it as, as a book of the Bible talking about things that, that happened in Old Testament times. So it's Tobit, T-O-B-I-T or T-O-B-I-T-H. Uh, I do not regard it as scripture, but you could say it's kind of in between a good book and the Bible. So it's not equal to the Bible, but it has a status because of its history that would be more than just your average book. So Tobit, T-O-B-I-T or I-T-H, you can look it up and you'll be able to read it online easily enough. Hey, thank you for the call. All right, uh, when we get back, I'm going to be joined by my friend, Dr. Mark Stengler. We're going to be talking about how God made the body to heal. what naturopathic medicine it is, and then a new book that he's written as well. Don't go anywhere.
1: It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks so much for
0: joining us today on The Line of Fire. You know, I I put out a video, just a fun little thing for our folks on, on YouTube and Facebook, explaining how it is that I am called doctor, but I'm not a medical doctor. You know, normally, if you're a medical doctor, if you're being cited, say, in an article, some newspapers writing about you, whatever. So you that'd be in front of like Dr. James Dobson, you know, psychologist or psychiatrist or medical doctor or physician of some kind, the name would be there. But if you have a Ph.D., if you're a professor, it may say professor in front of your name or it may say something else, but it, it won't say doctor, even though you have a Ph.D., which is a doctorate, just the way it's generally used. So how, how did I end up getting called Dr. Brown? Well, what happened was number one, when I was in college, I, I only used my first and last name. I didn't use my middle name or middle initial. I was Michael Brown and years preacher on the road. People just knew me as Mike Brown. Anyway, Michael Brown didn't use the middle initial. What happened was that when I was getting ready to graduate, there was a registrar you go to, things were not automated then in terms of just, you know, computers and accessing things online. So I had transferred credits from one other school, started community college, went over to this college where I was going, and, and then transferred credits, was taking some outside classes, brought them in. And the woman that was behind the, the counter there, uh, the registrar, she was kind of pushy. You didn't really say much to her. And name, give her the name. Social Security, give her the first number. Stop. Okay. Well, it turns out there's another Michael Brown. Surprise, surprise. Plenty of me's, right? Plenty of people by that name. So I <clears throat> I would give her my name and the beginning of my Social Security number. Well, there's another Michael Brown who's, I'm sure there are many, but there was another Michael Brown there whose Social Security numbers were the same as mine at the beginning. And she was putting my credits in, in his... Account. And when she realized what happened, rather than apologizing, uh, rather than saying, uh, ah, okay, hang on, hang on, just got some info here that we have a scheduling conflict that uh, somehow we have Dr. Stangler down for next week as opposed to today. So an error somehow on our end. Let me just see what, what happened here. How this happened, because I was just <laughs> killing time for minutes to so tell you what. Tell you what. Phone lines are open. eight six six three four truth eight six six three four eight seven eight eight four. Anything under the sun you want to talk to me about, I've got a bunch of things to talk about. But anything under the sun you want to talk about, any question, any comment, anything at all, phone lines are open. eight six six, three, four truth. but I'm gonna do this right now during live radio. To see did I just get this wrong or did we have this wrong on our calendar and let's just see Ah, all right somehow there's a scheduling issue they had it for a different day so we will get Dr. Stengler on (laughs) with us obviously we're not gonna take him away from his patients now but uh, he'll be on with us God willing we'll we'll get that fixed and rescheduled but in the meantime why is wide open Phone lines are wide open. i got some extra time because I don't have a guest. 866-34-TRUTH. Okay, so here's what happened. So I, rather than the woman saying, I apologize, she just said, you have a middle initialized idea? She said, use it. So this way, there, there are tons of Michael Browns, but there are somewhat less Michael L. Browns. So I did that. But then there are a whole lot of Michael L Browns, there's a ton of them. I mean, you know, I'd be looking for something with account, you know, account with an airline name. It's like, oh, we got a lot of Michael L Browns. So we're... Okay, so then just for identification purposes, like on a credit card or something else or an account, I was starting, you know, frequent flyer with an airline. I put Doctor in front of the name, just so that I would be there would be less. And even so, there's still Doctor Michael L Browns. <laughs> there, there are. But at least it cut the number down for identification purposes. But wherever I traveled, everybody knew me as Mike Brown, traveled, preached, wrote, everybody knew me as Mike Brown. And and then when I would be lecturing at a, at a seminary or university setting or something like that, then I'd be professor or doctor. So, uh, you know, that that would come up like that, but that was in that setting. Right, So I had my academic setting and doing my academic work, and I was Professor Michael Brown or Dr. Michael Brown, and then my ministry to the body, just more broadly, just like you're talking to you on the radio, I was Mike Brown or Michael Brown. When I got down to the Brownsville Revival, and, and God put it on my heart to raise up a school of ministry, and, and together with the team, we raised up a school of ministry. Now everyone knew me as the director of the school, so the 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 president of the school everybody knew me as that and as the president of the school in a school academic setting i was dr michael brown and every since then on i've been dr brown but the the thing that's funny is 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 that we will get periodic medical questions that are sent Uh, sometimes from other countries i'll just happen to notice on facebook dr brown I've been suffering for, and it's like, oh gosh, I wish I could help this person. I say, hey, I pray for you, but I'm not a medical doctor. So we were gonna have a medical doctor on, Dr. Mark Stengler, recently named Doctor of the Decade, a good friend of mine, evangelist, apologist as well, but we'll, we'll get him on and uh, have some great conversation then. All right, so enjoying our extra time here, let us go to D in Richmond, Virginia thanks for calling the line of fire.
4: Hello, Dr. Brown. I was just wondering your interpretation of John chapter 6 when Jesus says that, the, you know, he tells them to eat his flesh and drink his blood, and how could Catholics get that so wrong?
0: Right, so Catholics would ask us how we could get it so wrong as non-Catholics, and they would say that Jesus says, literally, my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is is drink indeed, and and you must eat my flesh and drink my blood, that uh, this is actually something that we are doing. We are literally eating his flesh and drinking his blood with communion. And our answer is no, no, no. They were never literally eating his flesh and drinking his blood. In other words, when he stood there and told them that, they were never literally to do that. It was always metaphorical from the start same at the last supper this is my body this is my blood it was always metaphorical eat this in remembrance of me so the catholic interpretation would say no it's literally the body and blood of the lord so the the wafer and you, know, you don't bite it just let it dissolve because that's literally his body and and it's literally the wine you're drinking or grape juice is literally his blood that it's transubstantiation it literally becomes the body and blood of the lord And with all respect to my Catholic friends, I I categorically reject that. Again, understanding in John 6, it was never literal then. They were not to literally eat his flesh and drink his blood. And then later, when everybody leaves except just his disciples, and they don't understand either, you know, they said, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. But he says something interesting. He says, at the end of John 6, what are you going to do when you see the Son of Man go up to heaven? The flesh profits nothing. It's the spirit that gives life. The words I speak to, they are spirit in their life. In other words, when I'm not physically here, how are you going to deal with this idea of eating my flesh and drinking my blood when I'm not physically here? And that's him trying to get an understanding. I'm not talking physically. I'm talking spiritually. Uh, mm. So it is is—it is a literal interpretation by Catholics that doesn't even go the literal way, because no one literally ate his flesh and drank his blood when he was on the earth. It's always been metaphorical. True. Thank you. You are very welcome. Eight six six three four 34 truth uh, Let's go to Rob in Raleigh, North Carolina. Welcome to the Line of Fire.
2: Yeah, thank you, Dr. Brown. Uh, appreciate uh, your broadcast and all. Um, I had recently had an atheist friend from um, a, a college friend who calls himself an atheist. That is, uh, we're both uh, around seventy years old, and and he's getting—I guess—getting guess, getting a little worried about things. Uh, so he reached out to me. Realized I became a Christian my sophomore year in college. Long story there. But I was one one sticking point I think for him is the whole evo- idea of evolution, and I'm just wondering. He said he'd love to hear a debate uh, about the subject of evolution. So um, I'd like to um, wondered if you could point to one or more debates that would be available online. And uh, I'm afraid I'm going to want to stack the deck a little. Ones where, the, ones where the, uh, the, crea- the first on the side of intelligent design or creation really um, uh, made us, you know, slam dunk.
0: Yeah. Well, well, well listen, here, here's the thing. Uh, our issue with evolution is not micro-evolution. In other words, evolution and change within species, which makes perfect sense, which does not violate Scripture, and which is easily demonstrable. But macro evolution, the evolution from one species to another, of which there remains no actual evidence. There are no missing links that, that fill in these, these gaps. And then the other things that evolution can't answer, for example, the origin of the universe or the origin of life or the explanation of DNA coding. So these things really are not not answered by evolution. So we would say that true science leads away from evolution. So if you're looking for debates, here here are the names you want to look up, and then you can pick and see which ones you like the best. Uh, Look for any debate with William Lane Craig on evolution or debating an atheist, William Lane Craig, and you'll see he comes out wonderfully and strongly, uh, John Lennox, so Craig, American, John Lennox, uh, Irish, several, a couple PhDs, professor at Oxford, Cambridge, that kind of thing. John Lennox, L E N N O X. Uh, those would be two of the strongest voices that are out there, and if if you're just trying to, boy, I mean, there's there's so so much literature that's out there in terms of, of demolishing evolutionary ideas. Even some of the Lee Strobel books that might be very accessible to your friend, like The Case for the Creator, uh, would be a really good one to look at where he interviews scientists from different perspectives. So, so Lee Strobel, the, the Case for the Creator, uh, if your friend's willing to read something. And I think, I think he'll find these really helpful. And if in fact, he'll humble himself Uh, His mind can be renewed, but the biggest thing is, his heart can find God. Hey Rob, thanks for the question, hopefully you'll find some good resources there. We'll take some more calls, 866-34-TRUTH.
1: It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Oh, I looked away for a second
0: and looked back up. Phone lines are jammed, so let me dive right in here. Uh, Gary in San Diego, California, welcome to the line of fire.
5: Thank you for taking my call, Dr. Brown. I have a quick question about charismatic versus secessionist. Mm -hmm. I've always struggled with many friends always making prophecies or claiming healing only to find out a couple weeks later the healing did not happen. And then I had heard a teaching on John MacArthur that we do believe in miracles that God can heal, but we don't believe anybody has the gift. Then I've been hearing your teachings for the past few months and how you are charismatic, but you seem way more critical of the abuse in the charismatic movement. And I'm struggling to determine, where do I fall now? And do you have any teachings in depth studies that you can recommend to understand the difference?
0: Uh, yeah, Yes, sir. And, and and thanks, Gary, for being a serious student of the Word and wanting to honor the Lord. Let me say first that in First Corinthians, Paul commends the Corinthians for not falling behind in any spiritual gift. He says that in the first chapter. But then as the book goes on, he's dealing with divisions in their midst spiritual immaturity, carnality, he's dealing with sexual sin, he's dealing with denial of the resurrection, he's dealing with abuse of the gifts, he's dealing with defiling the Lord's table, people even getting sick and dying as a result. So there was a lot of junk going on in the Corinthian church, a new church with a lot of error, and yet Paul recognized the validity of the Holy Spirit moving in their midst. So the first thing I'd encourage you to do is to really look at Scripture and put aside good or bad experience and just say, okay, if I'm just reading Scripture, what do I believe the Bible says about these gifts ongoing today? And then starting from there, then you build your way out and you see what seems to be in harmony with that and not in harmony with that. When, when Pastor MacArthur wrote his book, Strange Fire, I wrote an immediate response I felt stirred by the Lord to do it, but people have to evaluate the material for themselves, called Authentic Fire. And it's a response to Pastor MacArthur's book, but it's much more than that. I lay out a biblical position for why I hold to what I hold to and what Scripture plainly says. And then some of my other colleagues wrote appendices for the book as well. So if you're able to get that book, Authentic Fire, I think you'll find it really, really helpful because it will deal with some of the issues of abuse, but then clearly lay out what Scripture says, clearly open up the experience that we are to have in God. I'm, I am charismatic Pentecostal continuationist, whatever term you use, because of Scripture. I've had amazing and wonderful experiences, but I've also had bad experiences. I prayed for people that were dying, were very sick, and they died. I've I've seen other errors and issues right now. There's a, a massive need for accountability in the prophetic movement in the charismatic church. Massive need. It's it's crisis point in my view. But I recognize the re- validity of what God's doing, and there are countless testimonies of God's faithfulness and healing power and prophetic words. So I would recommend you get my book, Authentic Fire. You get it on our website or, or any of the online book dealers. If you want an extensive teaching series just on the subject of healing, I I have a a multi-hour series on the subject of healing, I think at least 16 hours long, that you can get on my website. It's an audio class uh, on, on divine healing. So you can check that out, but if you're a reader, get Authentic Fire. I think you'll find it really helpful, and then you can go from there, all right?
5: Thank you so much. And if you don't mind me adding, if in my personal life, I've prayed for gift of song. Uh, people have prayed for healings for me. I've, people have tried to pray for me to get slain. None of that has ever happened. How do I reconcile? Do I not let my experience paint my view or how do I explain
0: that? Well, the first thing is that we recognize that not everyone will receive each gift or receive it the same way. The second thing is I, I, I still want to base my views on scripture. So if scripture convinces me that something is not for today and I think I experienced it, I'd question that experience. If scripture tells me something is for today and I'm not experiencing it, then I'll say, Lord, there must be more. So I know many things in my own life I've only received after really hungering after them, really seeking God earnestly. And then I receive. So what I would do, Gary, if I were you, and I, I appreciate the personal question. It's, it's very, very valid and important. I would say, Father, I want everything you have for me so I can serve you most effectively and help a dying world. Lord, whatever that is, I want everything you have for me, the fullness of your spirit in my life so I can best glorify you. And trust that he'll bring you into those things. And then first and foremost, Pastor MacArthur and I would agree, we base everything on the teaching of the word. Based on that, that's why I am charismatic continuationist today. Hey, thank you for the call. May the Lord bless you with the fullness of His grace in the days ahead. Uh, we go to Robert in Hillsborough, North Carolina. Welcome to the Line of Fire.
4: Hey, Dr. Brown. How are you?
0: Doing well, thank you.
4: Uh, me too. Um, I've recently, you know, trying to be reconciled, you know, back to God and Jesus after uh, for, about 40 years away, mm. um, and and I was starting to read the Bible again. I've been um, reading in Joshua, the Old Testament, and he, he was pretty uh, gruesome and violent um, <laughs> as he was decimating um, the cities that they came upon to take over the land. And it just, you know, when they get, when he starts talking about And they killed all the men, women, and children of those various um, peoples. It bothered me. I wondered if if God condoned that level of violence.
0: Yeah, Robert, it's it's a major question, and many people struggle with their faith because of it. In fact, I have a book coming out in May called Has God Failed You?, where I specifically deal with some of those questions about the God of the Old Testament, Etc. So, number one, not every act of violence is justifiable in the Old Testament, or you could you could put on God and say, well, he ordered it, but the destruction of the Canaanites is one that he called for in terms of men, women, and children. Now, the question is, how could that God, who's elsewhere described as compassionate, merciful, and kind, and and patient with all of his creation, how could that God give those kind of orders? And it has to be there was something extreme and so dangerous and so corrupt that to allow it to continue in the midst of the people would have ultimately corrupted Israel. God would have then judged Israel. If he judged Israel, Messiah never would have come. No one would have been saved. It's, it's like an extreme act where a doctor has to amputate someone's legs, both legs because of gangrene. Otherwise, the whole body will die. It could be either that as described elsewhere in the Old Testament, the people were so wicked that the children were innately wicked as well. The, the, some evidence of, of inherited traits even on those levels, you know, not just physical, but, but yeah. moral as well. Uh, others believe that the inhabitants of Canaan were largely Nephilim, that they were a mixed race of an angelic breed and a human oh. breed. And, and that that is probably, that's why they're giants. You know, they're often referenced as giants and that that was something of an utter affront to God and something destructive. And that's why it was just that basically one time you have the Amalekites later on to be wiped out. But otherwise, it's that one time that it happens in all of Israel's history. And at the same time, God's giving them laws to treat others with compassion and the stranger in your midst to treat a certain way. So there had to be an extreme reason for doing it. It's not repeated through the ages. There are no mandates where just go kill men, women, children. In fact, God would would judge and hold people responsible. So that's the simple explanation. There was an extreme reason for the extreme action. But then look at the larger picture of the nature of God presented in the Old Testament, and it's one where in the midst of wrath poured out, he's extremely long-suffering and merciful and compassionate. Hey, Robert— That's uh, the God I know. Yeah, and look, that's why we're here. Because look yeah. at how, did he destroy you after 40 years or did he welcome you back with open arms, right? That's, that's. I, the... I'd
4: say open arms, but I'm still resisting because I'm, I'm, I'm a, a recluse. And so I'm constantly, you know, and hearing um, sermons on my uh, radio all day long. And I'm um, constantly, um, what do you call it? Where you just like, oh God, I got to get out of here. I got to get amongst people. And, read the Word, but I I, I can't. Psycho- Psychiatrically,
0: I'm a, man. I'm, a, I'm a recluse. Yeah, well listen, From, just, you know, just say, say, Lord, you've had mercy on me, you've brought me back in your grace, so thank you for your goodness, and I'm gonna start praying for people. I'm gonna start praying that God would open people's hearts and minds. And look, just like yeah. you talked to me on the radio today, and now you're talking to me a bunch of other people heard your story, You you just shared something that others needed to hear because they're praying for loved ones and they're discouraged and it's been all these years, obviously people are praying for you in, uh, in over 40 years. You've come back. So say, Lord, you give the opportunity, you give the open door. It could be someone you meet in some other way or otherwise you become a man of prayer and you pray, Lord, there are people out there, soul winners and evangelists, bless them and use them. And, and, and then Lord, where you need to change me, where there are things in my nature, where there are things in my being that are not pleasing to you, I'm asking you to help and to change and to transform. So, so Lord, we pray that you'd bless Robert with the fullness of, the, of your grace, that you'd make up to him lost years with greater effectiveness in you and greater blessing in you. We commit him to you in Jesus' name. Hey, friends, uh, I, I know we opened up the phone lines and only got to a few calls, but doing the best we can to get to as many as we can. We've got a lot of time for calls the next couple of days as well. So look forward to hearing from you, being with you. And be sure to visit our website, askdarktobrown.org. Sign up for the emails. You want to sign up for the emails. You'll be blessed if you do at askdrbrown.org.